Welcome to Twice Born Podcast. My name is Mike Bailey. On this episode, we are going to discuss the importance of not being woke, but being twice born. In this discussion, talking about how our culture has shifted dramatically and that there is a counterfeit gospel that is being shared throughout the world and the importance of knowing the distinctions between the true gospel of Christ and the gospel of critical theory. And so as we discuss this very deep and uh, impactful subject, I would encourage you to really seek God and his wisdom as you listen. God bless. Starting a new series uh, called The War of the Worlds, and we're going to be dealing with uh, what we're taught by Paul, who's in prison writing much of the New Testament and telling us that we are to be ready for a battle, that there is a battle waged around us every single day, and it is not a battle of flesh and blood, but it is a battle of spiritual beings, those that we do not see And so this morning, as I come into this message, part one of kind of establishing what the battle is, what's going on in our culture, in our world, and um, how things are playing out, uh, this is a heavy message. This is not an easy message because uh, I have so many in my life, and I'm sure you have so many in your life, that you're going to hear some things and it's going to connect that that's where they're at, and that's who they are, and that's their viewpoint. And so um, I recognize that. I think uh, that is important for all of us to have a heart for those in our lives. And so coming into this message, um, I just want to be prayerful and ask the Lord to speak through his words and to give us insight because I really think the challenge of our time is, is seeing what's really happening around us. Uh, for many of you, you watch the news and you wonder, how can this be happening? Why are these drastic changes occurring? What is behind all of these things that we're seeing in our own culture that seem to be as radically opposite of what we saw just 20 or 30 years ago? And so this morning, what I'd like to do is just dive into Scripture and just ask the Lord to reveal some things, um, because the question I have for you this morning is, how well do you understand our culture? How well do you personally understand our culture, and why, uh, what is happening, why is it happening? What's going on that's leading us down this path? Why are things so drastically different today um, that we've seen historically in our own culture? And so before we look to God's word, I want to precede it with prayer and just ask the Lord to be with us, give us wisdom, give us a heart for people, a love, but also a boldness to stand for truth and to be built on righteousness and to allow ourselves to be vessels of God. So let's pray and precede his word with prayer. Father God, I thank you for the love that you give us. I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, as we come to these these topics that are um, relevant and part of our daily life and what we see around us and the burden and brokenheartedness that we have because we see so many um, that are falling away and our Lord that are giving allegiance to things that aren't true. And uh, Lord, we just ask you to use us Help us to be wise, help us to be discerning, help us not to be callous or hard-heartened, but Lord, that we would be full of uh, love and compassion for the lost with a desire, Lord, to come for them to come to know you and and to live for you. And Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen our faith and our understanding and our knowledge, that that we would be pure vessels, that we would be uh, um, living in absolute faith and understanding of what your word teaches. And so, Lord, as we come to this time, please speak to us. Uh, Lord, we know you generously give to those who ask for wisdom. So we are asking for wisdom, and we know that you will be faithful and just. In Jesus' name, amen. 
As we look at scripture, uh, what we do in church and what we do in Christianity, uh, we call it theology. Theology meaning the study of God or the study of God's word. And, and through that study, through theology, we come up uh, with things that we have determined that scripture is teaching, that is doctrine. These are just words we use in church, theology and doctrine. But doctrine is taking what we understand from scripture and applying it to how we live our lives, the doctrine of, of atonement, the doctrine um, of salvation through Christ, that our redemption is through him. So we have these terms we use. And this morning, what I'd like to do is just share with you um, what I believe is happening in the world around us. And I would like to share with you the difference between our theology and our doctrine and what the world's theology and the world's doctrine is, and that we would recognize that there is a distinction between the two and that in that distinction, we'd be able to pray for and encourage those that may be uh, following the doctrine of the world. And to understand that there's an alternative doctrine, an alternative theology, an alternative to Christ-following Christianity, we need to look at Scripture. And in Scripture, we find that there is someone behind all this. There is a being behind all this. 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us this. The Lord is not slow to keeping promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. And so God is not slow. We're seeing things happen. He's not slow to dealing with this issue. But there is an issue, and it's boiling up, and there is a being behind this issue. And, and this would be what I would call the war that we are in the midst of. We are in the midst of a war, and there is a general on the other side, coming up with strategies and plans to destroy me, to destroy you, destroy everyone you love. How do I know this? Ephesians 6.10 says, uh, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against who? The devil's schemes. The devil is a real being. The devil has schemes. He's coming up with plans and strategies and organizations to destroy us. He hates this group that's meeting. He hates us. He hates groups like this that are meeting all over the world. He hates them and desires to destroy them. But we need to recognize our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Our battle is not against liberals, or our battle is not against Democrats, our, our battle is not against Republicans or conservatives, or any, anything that we say our battle is not against. It's about an unseen world that is real, an unseen world that is puppeteering this world that we live in. And we need to recognize that our battle is not against flesh and blood, people, humans, uh, even leaders. Our battle is not against them. It is against what's behind many of the things that we're seeing. And so we see in 2 Corinthians 11, 13, such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, listen to this, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then that his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Satan has come up with a counterfeit gospel. It is close to the true gospel, but it is counterfeit. And it has turned the gospel upside down. And we're going to look at that here in a moment. But he is masquerading as righteous. And those that are following his teachings, those that are part of his family, believe that what they are doing is righteous and just. 
First Peter 5 at 8 says this, we need to be uh, alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan's goal for existence is to keep you from loving God. Because if he can keep you and I from loving the one true God, to having an intimate relationship with Christ, to being led by the Holy Spirit, then it is his only way at getting back at God for what he knows his eternal destiny is. His only objective is to keep you from God because he knows how much it hurts God for you to turn away from him. God loves you so much to see you turn from him is the one thing that breaks his heart. He desires that none should perish, but all should come to everlasting life. And so he's devouring those who would turn from God and his truth. Revelations 12.10 says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. You know, Satan isn't a name. Lucifer is a name. Satan is a designation. Satan is the accuser. He's like the prosecutor in the trial. And he's, he's, he's wily. Because what he does is he talks you into believing that what you're doing is not a big deal. And then after you do it, he tells you it's the greatest deal and you can never be forgiven of. He's the prosecutor. He's the accuser. Who did he accuse first? He accused God. Then he accused man. And he's consistently done it since the beginning of time. And so this morning, we're going to look and see that Satan has a counterfeit gospel, and he's using that gospel to destroy the lives of people all around us every single day. Satan is using a counterfeit gospel where righteousness, he is redefined in his own way to destroy lives. And maybe you haven't heard this term before, but this is a term that's growing in universities and in our government and in all of the systems in which we live. This term is called critical theory. Critical theory. Many of you have heard of critical race theory. That is a branch of actual critical theory. Critical theory is a worldview. Critical theory is a religion. And whether they recognize it or not, Satan is the founder of critical theory. And critical theory, its goal is to deconstruct Christianity and all of its implications within our culture and rebuild with a humanistic, I am God-centered religion. And this morning, I'm going to use some terms, because in church we use terms, and they're terms you don't hear outside of church. They're terms you only hear when you're with other Christians. It's like when someone sneezes and they say, God bless you, and you think, oh, maybe they're a Christian. Or, or you hear terms, righteousness, salvation, grace, terms we really only use inside the church. There are terms of this new religion that are doctrinal terms that you're going to hear on the news, you're going to hear your family members say, you're going to hear when you uh, listen to any kind of updates within the world or when you read updates within the world through news or any other uh, outpouring of communication. And so we're going to look at the five basic tenets that we talk about every Sunday, the worship, the fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and missions. We're going to talk about what the Bible says the doctrine we have is. And we're going to talk about what is the new doctrine. What is the new doctrine that critical theory is saying is true. We'll begin with worship. Matthew 10, 6 through 10 says, But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. 
and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Matthew has revealed to us the doctrine that God is the one creator. He has also revealed to us that God is the author and creator of gender. God is the author and creator of sexuality. God is the author and creator of marriage. And so our doctrine, our core value and core belief, is that what God says is true. And we are to align ourselves with his truth, that we are not God to make our own truth. Critical theory will come and they will deconstruct that. They will say, no, there is no God. Everything that exists exists because of time and death and chance. And you, therefore, are your own God. And because you're your own God, you must create within your own self your own identity. God did not create you with an identity. You create yourself with an identity. And in that identity, the critic, which we would say, is really Satan. He says you're non-binary. No one can tell you what you are except you within because you are the God of your own universe. Non-patriarchal. There is no system. There is no structure. You control your own structure and your own system. And whatever you will shall be. Self-love. The most important thing in life is that you have created your own destiny and your destiny is built in love for yourself. What you self-identify as is the most important thing because you are the God of your own existence. And so we have a culture, we have a belief system that is teaching the complete opposite gospel of what Christ teaches us through his word. And so who is true worship for in the doctrine of Christianity? It is to the creator God who gives us purpose, meaning, and value. He tells me where I'm from, why I'm here, and where I'm yet to go. The doctrines that are revealed through his word allow me to have an understanding of life so I can understand my identity. I can understand my gender. I can understand my sexuality. I can understand the purpose of being a father and a husband. In critical theory, there is no boundaries. There is no absolutes. You have been created for your own glorification, and you are to determine what is your own truth. Fellowship, us coming together, being unified. Acts 4.12 says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other man under heaven, there's no other name under heaven given to mankind, by which we must be saved. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who is salvation available to every human being on the planet? How is salvation brought to us? Only through Christ. There is only one way. There is only one place of salvation, and that is Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Without that, we are lost and hopeless with no future. Our doctrine is a doctrine that there is one true way, that there is only one way of sanctification and justification. That is through Christ. But the world has turned this upside down. In critical theory, the highest value of fellowship is inclusiveness, tolerance, and open-mindedness. 
Unfortunately, it's only inclusive if you agree. It's only tolerant if you tolerate what they tolerate. And it is only open-minded as long as you don't consider what Christ taught. These doctrines are the doctrines that your children are being taught every day. These are the doctrines that a world is being spread to on a regular basis. What are the most important things in life? Inclusiveness, tolerance, and open-mindedness, except for Christianity in Christ. Discipleship, what are we to become? What is our purpose in life? Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is, the, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is a doctrine that says, I am to be self-sacrificial of all of my desires, if my desire is sinful, I sacrifice it in honor and obedience to God. So therefore, my wants and desires, what I believe I was born as, whatever sinful thing that enters my mind, I am not subject to that. I am subject to God. And the doctrine of obedience, that I am obedient to the point of death, that I would follow and love my Father, love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and with all my mind. And that this is the only true way for a human being to exist in right relationship with God. The critic, the author of Critic, Satan, would say this, you are your own God. You should be fluid in everything. Be fluid in everything you think. Your gender is fluid. Your sexuality is fluid. Marriage is fluid. It is what it is when you want it to be. You determine truth. You determine what's right for you. There is no authority outside of your own spirit that you are to be accountable to in any way. You are to self-identify because the greatest thing is for you to become your true self. You do you. You be you. These are the doctrinal statements of the world we live in. These are the unquestioning doctrine that you must follow to be in right relationship with this religion. Ministry, 2 Timothy 2, 22, flee the evil desires of your, your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. As a follower of Christ, my ministry is to love people because Christ first loved me. And I can only love people the way he teaches me to love people. And that is to do unto others as I would have them do unto me. To love them in the same nature and manner that Christ loves me. That I would want the very best for every human that I've ever come in contact with. And the very best is for them to be right with God. And to have their eternity set through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The doctrine or ministry of this world is social justice, pride, that we get rid of a toxic culture and that there is virtue signaling, that we know that we're part of the same theocracy, theocracy the, uh, uh, the same philosophy, the same religion. That when I say certain words, code words, you know that I'm aligning with you. 
that we are together and unified in the critical theory of religion and that we all recognize that we are the gods of our own universe and that we are in control of our own destinies and that anyone to say any differently must be condemned. Missions, and this is where I think it is so important for us to recognize the conversion doctrine of the Bible says this in John 3, 3. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You must be born again. You were born of the flesh. We say, are you twice born? Have you been born of the spirit? Are you alive spiritually or are you dead spiritually? There is a, uh, an event in your life that takes place that once you were lost and now you are found. You were blind and now you see. You are truly alive like you've never been alive before. And it's an experience that's so valuable and so important that we have a celebration and we call that baptism. And we are baptized in front of our friends and family to declare to the world who I am. I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I trust him with my soul and my life. I have repented of my sins and I have believed him to be my Lord and Savior. The world has an equal, the, the, the counterfeiter, the, the liar has come up with his own approach and he will say, be woke, be woke. Wake up to the fact that you're your own God. Wake up to the fact that you are to be worshiped. Wake up to the fact that no one is to tell you who you are, that you are under no one else's authority but your own desires and wants. It's a faith of wokeness. Coming out a symbol of a doctrine. I'm coming out. I'm being my true self, my true self who I have defined, my true self who I really am, without anyone telling me, much less the God of the universe trying to tell me who I am, that I only submit to my own wants and desires, and I will not bow to anyone but myself. Self-realization. I've become who I really am, and I just now understand that. In the doctrine of judgment, in Hebrews 9.27, we're told just as people are destined to die once, and after that, they face judgment. We are all under the understanding in, in Scripture that we are accountable to the one true God for our lives, that we have this time on earth to make ourselves justified through Christ, and we will stand before the king and he will either say, depart from me, I never knew you. Or he will say, well done, come be with me in eternity. This is the judgment we all face. This is the judgment that we all have to recognize as we look at the doctrines of scripture and we consider the teachings of the Bible. The counterpart, critical theory would say this, there must be judgment for intolerance. And we will deal with those that have phobias and hates that this institutional, systemic, historical sin is to be judged. And here's such a crucial point that I think we all need to understand. In Scripture, it says, I commit the sin that I'm accountable to God for. In critical theory, you have been born into the sin of historical events. People that have done evil in the past, you are a sinner because of their sin. And you must pay for something you did not do. Critical theory says you are to repent of your skin color. 
You are to repent of your gender. You are to repent of any kind of advantage that you have had. You are to repent of sins that you did not commit. This is how the enemy has distorted righteousness. And instead of me being accountable for my lies and my lusts and my pride and my sin, I now be, I'm now held accountable for, for things that are outside of my control. And judgment must be swift. As we even look at our own history as the church, we have things to be very ashamed of. The church has made a lot of mistakes. And we used to burn heretics. We'd kill each other in all kinds of ways. We had a fervency for truth. Unfortunately, it was a misguided fervency. But you know that fervency is strong and alive in this new faith. That fervency of canceling people's lives, not just getting them fired, not just getting them uh, pushed out of the culture, but literally destroy every facet of their life. That the judgment in this belief system says, if you are judged guilty, you shall lose everything and you will be a dead man walking. And anyone who's not for us is against us. And anyone who does not comply will be punished. Critical theory does not have openings for people in the middle. You're either with or you're against. You're either for them or you're against them. To cancel culture, they want to cancel you. Salvation. We are told in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith that is not yourself, it's not from yourself, it is a gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. I am saved by grace. I have not earned my salvation. I have done nothing in the benefit of my salvation other than repenting and believing. It is by grace that I am saved. And what I am saved to is a safe freed from sin, freed from death, free to live eternally with my creator in a right relationship. That is, the, that is the end game. That is the desire of my heart. That is the truth of my life. That is the trajectory of the church. That is the purpose of the gospel. Is that we are lost and found. That there is salvation. There is hope in the midst of tragedy. There is a hope in the midst of death. Salvation is available for all of us because Christ died once for all. In critical theory, the end game is to be more educated than everyone else, to be empowered in a way that no one else is, to be on the right side of history, and for me to be my real me. The end game is to look at everyone else and see how foolish they are in comparison to me, that I have realized that I am the true God of the universe, and no one is to tell me that I am not. And I will not submit. And I will not bow my knee even to the creator God. I wish I could say that this is a small group of people that believe this and that are training and equipping each other in this. And just like the gospel, as we meet and we grow and we mature in our faith, that, that this isn't happening in this faith, but it is. Every single day it is. Here's how I know and here's how you know that this is true. Let me ask you a very, some very simple questions. If we consider that critical theory is a religion, a belief system, a purpose, an understanding of life, then what religion is at the foundation of our government? 
What religion is at the foundation of our schools? What religion is at the foundation of our workplaces? And what religion is at the foundation of our communities? Is the doctrine of Christianity at the foundation of our government today and the decisions that it's making? Is the doctrine of Christianity at the foundations of our schools and what we're taught from K to 12th grade and then college and post-education? Is the doctrine of Christianity being taught in philosophy and psychology in all the areas of sciences? Is the doctrine of Christianity in our workplace? Is it guiding the decision-making of the CEOs and the CFOs and all those making decisions? Is the doctrine of Christianity taking place and at the foundation of our communities and the decisions that are being made? I submit to you that now more than ever in the United States, in North America, in all of Europe, we are built on the foundation of critical theory. We live in a world that has rejected Christ. And we have other Churches that align themselves more with the theology and doctrines of critical theory than what Scripture teaches us is true doctrine. And so we know the problem. It's a big one, isn't it? I mean, this, bur- this has burdened me for the last, as soon as I got into ministry. Because when I got into ministry, I worked with kids. I worked with high school kids and middle school kids. And they were told that they came from nothing. And everything that they want to be, they determined for themselves. And that all of life is just an open canvas for them to paint whatever they want. And there are no boundaries and there is no guidelines. And you are not accountable to any being above yourself. And you know what I've seen is a whole generation grow up with that mentality. And now they're full of drugs and depression and suicide. And they've been, they've been shared a lie from people they trust. And we have a whole generation that hold to these doctrines and will never be open to there being a falsehood in any of them. You think you have fervency about your faith? You think you're committed to the doctrines of Christianity? Watch the news. Go out in culture. Declare truth and boldness. And begin to realize There is a powerful force, an unseen force that is controlling the world around us. And now we can live in fear and we can be afraid today and we can talk about how horrible this is or we can recognize what the end of Ephesians 6 says. Here's what it says. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, stand. You know what happened? We stopped standing for anything, and everyone fell for everything. When you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything. And that's what's happened. And it's not a battle to be won with brute force. It's actually the opposite. It's a battle to be won on our knees, praying fervently, Because this is not, hey, I'm going to tell you some truths and you're going to believe it. Because this is ingrained in the soul. 
Only the Holy Spirit of God can heal our land, can heal the people of this country, can heal our children and our grandchildren. Only the Spirit of God can change their mind and and refocus their thinking so that the thinking of God is in them and not the thinking of the enemy. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to put on the armor of God. He gave us the tools. He gave us how we're to do this. This is not a surprise. Guess what? When Jesus was alive, the Romans were in charge. The Romans are even worse. But he didn't live in fear. He didn't hide. He was bold. His disciples were bold. When they came to Christ, when the Holy Spirit filled them, they were bold in the marketplace. They were bold in the government sector. They were bold in the workplace because they knew that this is the only answer for humankind. And that the humans, the people that we see every single day are being sold a bill of goods that will destroy them. And so here's my slogan for you and for us. Don't be woke, be twice born. Don't be woke, be twice born. The answer is not waking up. The answer is being born again. And at the very heart of this issue, the very heart of this issue, that we all struggle because we all have loved ones, the very heart, it's a cosmic, eternal question. It's not a question just for the rest of your life. It's an eternal question that must be answered. What is truth? What is truth? How do we apply this today? We need to lovingly stand against the counterfeit gospel. We need to lovingly stand against the counterfeit gospel. We cannot sit back and watch people destroy themselves because our enemy has been so effective. We must stand in a loving way, in a humble way, wanting the very best for everyone that we ever meet. And then I believe we need to pray for wisdom. I need to pray on how to talk to people about this. You need to pray about how to talk to people about this because this is volatile. This is a bomb blowing up every second. So the battle is difficult. And we need wisdom so that the person we're talking to, even though they may disagree with everything you say, At least at the very depth, they understand you love them deeply. You love them too much to be silent. You love them too much not to care. We need to pray. Before we can share this message, we need to be twice born ourselves. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. This is the the word that gives life. This is the truth that gives life to us. And so this morning, what is God telling you? What is God saying to you this morning? Let's all be honest. This is not an easy conversation. We see it. We feel pain from it. And for most of us, we're not quite sure what to do about it. And that's where we've got to submit to God and say, God, I'm in your army. Whenever you need me, let me know. 
I'm available. I'm available to be used for you, however you want me to be used for you. You know, there's a time, may already be here, when things like this are said from the position that I'm at, is an act that is illegal. And there's a consequence. There's a consequence. But if I and you are to be living sacrifices for the glory of the one true God, we've got to stop fearing man's consequences and start considering who we truly love. And the greatest form of love is self-sacrifice. Charity to the point of death. That's what Christ on the cross was for us. And to be his disciples, that's what he calls us to do for him. John 10, 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. Know them, and they follow them. What is he saying to you today? 